All right, welcome back to best hour of their day. Fern, something you and I discuss all the time are timelines and lesson plans when it comes to coaching. What do you think is the least utilized aspect of an effective class? Probably the cool down. Yeah, I mean, I think most people, and, and I don't even know if it's done like intentionally, I think probably most people do it out of necessity, meaning the timelines don't allocate any sort of um, dedicated time for a cool down. Well, I think we, we discuss all the time how important it is to go into your class with a proper lesson plan, a proper timeline. And yeah, if you don't have that, the first thing that's probably going to go are those last five to seven minutes. And a cool down could be one of the most effective parts of the class. I mean, when we talk about what goes into a class, we're talking about the whiteboard brief. Go back and listen to our episode about that. It's actually our most downloaded episode, the whiteboard brief, and probably the one that we've gotten the most feedback on. Do you think that's the most important part of the class? I mean... It is super important. I mean, the, the, the workout is where people get what they came for. So you'd, you, it'd be, you'd be hard pressed to be like the, you know, cause you could do a great whiteboard brief and no workout. And then I would argue that a horrible class, but the, I think it does set the tone for everything else. When, when I give the programming lectures at level ones and level twos, I really try to emphasize to people in those courses that that three to four minutes on the front end can solve virtually every problem that you're going to encounter as a coach, whether it be an athlete doesn't want to listen, they don't want to scale correctly, they're resistant to coaching. I mean, all those things, you know, where people put their equipment, like all that, like you can solve that in three minutes and you won't ever have to worry about it. Well, and we dive really deep into the whiteboard brief. So go back and listen to it. It's maybe our second or third episode. From there, we have a general warm-up, a specific warm-up, of course, like Fern just said, the workout or wad, but then the neglected aspect, the redheaded stepchild of a good lesson plan is the cool down. If you were running an ideal class, a perfect hour, how long would you dedicate for that cool down? I always try to allot 10, which means I'm typically going to get seven. Yeah, I think that's important. You know, you, you kind of lay out those 60 minutes inevitably something goes on too many people have to take a nervous pee you know the specific warm-up goes a little further you know the equipment took a little longer to set up than we had anticipated but even seven minutes is is enough and really that's what we're going to dive into today running an effective cool down in class because both Vern and i agree often neglected you finish a workout and you're just kind of piecing out you know giving your fist bump saying goodbye but really a lot more should be happening in that cool down. So first and foremost, Fern, explain to the listeners what should be happening at, you know, at the most basic level during the cool down. Yeah. There's, so there's, I guess there's probably like two aspects to this. The first one is just physiologically what needs to happen. So they've just finished doing a high intensity workout, whether it's a, you know, a heavy lift or a Metcon or potentially a, a pairing of those two we have to bring the body back down to homeostasis. So let's just go with a Metcon, you know, like if their heart rate was at 160 for some, you know, extended period of time, like we have to give them the opportunity to bring the heart rate back down. If it's hot outside or their core temperature is really, really high, we need to bring the core temperature down. If it's a, 
if it's a really, really heavy deadlift, we have to give the central nervous system a little bit of time to like reset. And what I mean by that is if you ever, so this is an interesting little test. So if you do something, pick anything you want that requires fine motor skill. So whether it's like typing quickly or doing some sort of test with your fingers or something that requires very, very high accuracy of uh, hand-eye coordination, test that right before you do a heavy lift and then go into like a heavy deadlift session. And then immediately upon finishing the deadlift session or heavy back squat session, test that thing again. Uh, and you will see a pretty significant degradation in function because of how taxing it is on the central nervous system. And, um, and that's why, and that's why people will do, that's why police officers, military LEO will do stress test shooting. So they'll do some, a lot of physical activity and then they'll go and they'll run through some course of fire because we like, you can have some adaptation there where I can learn to, to buffer that kind of loss of function in, in a, in a minute way. But the point is like, we have to bring them back down because it's not responsible from a professional standpoint to just crush people physically and, uh, and the nervous system and then expect them to just, and then just kick them out the door. Well, and think about what you're referring to. Basically most people when they leave a workout are getting in a car. Yeah. You know, so, and they're going to text need, while they do it. So yeah, a, your, text while they do a, it. your text is going to not going to say what you want it to. And then B, you're not going to be paying attention and you're going to have like <laughs> not the ability to drive that you would like. Yeah, exactly. So for one, I think a, a solid cooldown does just that. Bring people back to homeostasis, heart rate, CNS recovery, all that good stuff. But assuming we do that, so let's, let's start right there. What are some effective ways you find to do that? So I am a big fan of just sending people on a walk. So I know we all like to, to you know, do the bacon sizzle and everybody finishes the workout and they just fall down on the floor and they lay there. I prefer to have people continue to move post-workout. So go for a walk, get on a stationary bike or something like that, and just move, at, I mean, at like a very, very low rate of speed. I mean, like a casual Sunday walk, just to catch their breath uh, and start to get to back to something that re resembles like a reset. And, um, and the other reason I like to do that is because it gives people the opportunity to interact. And that's where you get to build a little bit of community. So the way the brain works is it's kind of hyper-stimulated post-exercise and, and then people are, are more vulnerable post-exercise, meaning they're more willing to have conversations. They're more willing to open up about things. They're more willing to be emotional. And this is where you can make some breakthroughs and create some relationships and connection points between members, but also between you and those athletes as the professional. So I don't think you can overlook that. You, you're going to find those people that are kind of like the, the thick candy shell people. You're going to be able to break through on those people post-workout. I forget where I've read this. I think it was Matt Chan. He was talking about cool downs and a good rule of thumb is, you know, and this might not be doable in class, but maybe for your own knowledge or potentially trying to incorporate is think about the workout in a 20 minute window and whatever is remaining for those 20 minutes, you should be cooling down. And that means really the more intense and the shorter the workout, the longer you actually need to be recovering. So you have a two minute frame, 18 minutes should be spent in recovering versus a 15 minute AMRAP, maybe only five minutes. And Personally, when I finish a workout, I do my best to go over, start cheering people on. But then as soon as everyone's done, I'll hop on 
you know, depending on where I am, be it an assault bike, a concept two bike, et cetera, and just pedal easily. Or like Fern said, go for a walk. But, but that can be a good rule of thumb. Just, you know, and, and you might not be able to incorporate that in a classroom setting, but hey, just remember, the shorter and the harder it is on your members, actually the longer they need to recover. Yeah, and recovery doesn't mean stretch, right? So I think a lot of people misinterpret recovery for like that you have to do nothing. I mean, this is, it doesn't mean that. It, this is a good time to refine, you know, motor patterns or work on some maybe high skill or, you know, uh, physical imbalances, you know, from limb to limb. You Like it doesn't have to be this crazy, you know, like just lay there and breathe for 15 minutes you know, you can do a lot of things as long as it's low intensity and you're bringing people back to some degree of homeostasis. Um, then I think it can be effective, but you know, I think it serves, I think it serves two purposes. One again, is that that physiological response to, to high intensity, but the other one is that kind of community or the emotional response that we can take advantage of post-workout. I mean, it's super, super important. This is where you get to really highlight PRs. This is where you get to, you know, give somebody, a huge shout out because it's their first CrossFit workout with your, with your gym and your members. But if you run the class to 58, you know, you have two minutes to clean up. I don't get to highlight Jay because it's his first day and he showed up and he was super nervous about it. And I don't give the members the opportunity to interact with him and, and, and tell their story that when they started, they felt just like him. You know, I think, you know, that cool down is, is central. Um, and if you look at your class time, I think the the front and the back end, those bookends are are arguably the most pivotal points of your class, you know, the whiteboard brief and the cool down. You know, if you think about what those actually are, a lot of it is relationship building. You know, it's community based for those two things. Um, so I think it's just and again, like I always try, I shoot for 10 with the goal of getting seven because I'm, I'm, I leave myself the ability to buy back three of those if I need them somewhere else in the timeline. Um, but I regularly have 15 minutes at which point, like I'll do a couple different things. You know, we had a guy last week who turned 57 and we, we had like 15 or 16 people in the class and we just made a huge circle and we just did like birthday burpees, like in a waterfall, like just around, like everybody did a burpee until we got the 57 for his birthday. So stuff like that, you can't, you can't downplay that stuff. Yeah, we'll talk more about some options in there because, again, like you said, the, the cool down doesn't necessarily need to just be only stretching. You know, we'll talk about some other things, right? Even what you just alluded to, 57 burpees, you know, everyone's doing maybe three or four, four by the time. Yeah. Right. But really, they're, they're cooling down during that. Their heart rate's coming down. They're cheering each other on. But, you know, any other group class setting when you think of like the yogas or you think of the martial arts out there they have a cool down you know in yoga they call it shavasana where you're just kind of chilling out on your back and i remember as a yoga instructor seeing the people that were super high stress and busy they would actually leave thinking they were done and i would always th say to them like this is actually the most important part like if you can't yeah. lay on your mat for five minutes with your eyes closed and just chill the f out you need this more than i do you know, and then in the martial arts world, it often looks like, hey, you know, we're going to line up, we're going to do promotions, you know, stripes, talk about what we went over, shake everybody's hand on the way out. So, you know, these other worlds do it and it's just super neglected. And this topic actually came from our mentor group, you know, Fern and I run the best hour of their day mentor group and we get lots of questions in there. And, and one of our members, Daniel, 
was just asking me, hey, I really struggle with this. What are some other things we can do? So, you know, we've, we've kind of touched upon the goal of it, but now let's talk about what else can be happening in those seven minutes. So there's two things that come to mind immediately. The first one is some mobility work. And the reason it can be really beneficial to do some mobility work is because people are, are more prepared to do, meaning like physically they're more prepared to do mobility work. So their core temperature up, their muscles are probably pretty loose at this point. And, uh, and to some degree, they're going to be a little bit more relaxed because they're, they've just exhausted themselves. So this is where you can kind of implement some of these kind of banded distraction techniques that you'll find in like, uh, on, um, in, or like mobility kind of, um, protocols you can find on stuff like GoWAD, um, where they're going to do some kind of specific mobility run throughs, depending on what it is that you trained for that day. Um, so I, I think that's the obvious one. The other one is if you have followed Chris Henshaw's stuff, um, a lot of what he teaches in his seminar for aerobic capacity, which you haven't taken, I highly recommend to take it, is kind of like teaching your body to buffer lactic acid. So you can do cool downs that will help basically prepare the body for future onslaughts of high production of lactic acid to buffer it a little bit more efficiently. And therefore I'm going to be able to move faster through a workout without, you know, so much deterioration in my effort because my body can buffer lactic acid and get rid of it more efficiently. Um, and these are all things that you can train that are not intended to be high intensity that are not intended to be super, um, you know, structured in that, in that sense where like in the cool down should be fairly, kind of laissez-faire, if you will, like it should be like pretty chill. Yeah. And, you know, I think oftentimes people just think, like you said, Hey, the cool down is only this opportunity to, to stretch, but yeah, we can be really diligent and really think about what we're doing and have a plan there. This shouldn't be, Oh, we got seven minutes, you know, grab your toes. It should be, Hey, we just went overhead. Let's dig into some mobility over head and your shoulders, or we just squatted. Let's, Let's dig into those hips because both you and I know if you tell people, hey, class ended, go stretch a little bit, go mobilize, what percentage of people are doing that? Nobody. Nobody's going to do it because number one, they don't know what to do. That, like That's the biggest thing. You're like, go stretch. And, and, and we think that's ridiculous that people don't know what to do, but it's not. Like They don't care about mobility, meaning they don't care enough to go study it and learn things about it. Um, and they're not going to do it because it's boring. So generally, it's better to try to do it in a group because people are more inclined to do it in a group than they are on their own, with the exception of, you know, those weird mobility weirdos, but um, who just want to mobilize all day long. The, but no, um, but great, great point, though, Fern. Like, we, we forget as coaches all the time, this is our livelihood. This is our job. You know, we care a lot about this. The average CrossFit member has joined because they don't know. They don't want to think. They just simply want to, you know, get in, get out in an hour, look better naked, all that good stuff. And then sometimes we get frustrated that they don't know. It's our job. That's what we're there for. And too many coaches, you know, the, the wad ends and they think their job is over. No, that's what we're saying. The cool down is continue to educate, continue to coach. You shouldn't be done coaching, not only at the end of class, but probably five or 10, you know, we all know coaching is not a one hour job. It's the 15 minutes beforehand, it's the 15 minutes after. Yeah. And, and really that's where we need to be growing. 
something else you could do, and again, promoting some kind of forced interaction there is um, if you've ever heard of kind of PNF stretching, which stands for proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation, it, it, that's general, you generally need a partner for that. And what it is, I'm going to, I'm going to take my muscle to end range. I'm going to stress it at end range, relax. And then my partner is going to basically bring me to a new end range. And with a partner done correctly, you can get extreme increases of range of motion in like relatively short order. I mean, under five minutes, like you can get upwards of 20 to 30 degrees increase in range of motion, depending on what you're looking at in a lot of athletes. And that's a good tool to use a, because you need, everybody's going to need a partner for that. Uh, but then B it's, it's not like it's going to be work, right? Like if you've ever done like really, really pro appropriately and properly done PNF stretching, like it's, I'm not relaxing, but I am getting a ton of benefit out of it. And it is like stretching if you will, but um, it's a different type of stretching. Um, yeah. Another thing I learned from uh, I've got a, a um, an osteopath here. He's a, he's a, neuro osteopath anyway but his big thing that he's and i've been seeing him for 10 years and he's basically like a chiropractor on steroids he's like there's never anything that he hasn't fixed on me but um he taught me years ago that if you're gonna do a lot of pulling from overhead let's say you did a high volume of pull-ups um he would and so this guy worked for Cirque du Soleil for like eight years so like he's seen the most extreme version of human performance and he's worked on them um and um he would say, Hey, listen, if you're, let's say you're going to do high volume of pull-ups, he's like kick upside down and hold a handstand as long as you can up against the wall, just to basically do some complementary function to, to, so that your body doesn't start to contract into that pulling position so that you can basically take that position and go the opposite direction in a static hold. So nothing like not talking about pressing, he's talking about static hold in the opposite direction. Uh, and I've always found that to be really, really beneficial uh, and, re and reduces my restriction overhead the following day and as well as uh, soreness afterwards too. Well, one thing that you mentioned, especially if you dive into something like PNF stretching, it's you're, you're building that community because you need two people, you know, and you can coach the people through it. Like, Hey, resist for five seconds, push for five seconds, et cetera. But all those things are ultimately building the community and the cool down. Like we said in the beginning of this episode is really effective at building community, you know, Think about the think about the layout of an hour. The whiteboard brief. Most people come in, you know, they're they're stressed out. They they came from work or their family. They're worried about the workout. Is they're paying attention. The warm up. They're moving. The workout. Obviously, there's no talking or minimal talking. And then the cool down is is like you said. People are vulnerable. Not only are they vulnerable, dopamine, endorphins, all that good stuff. They feel great. This is your opportunity. I mean, there's a reason. There's so much consensual sex at crossfit affiliates <laughs> okay i, wasn't I said consensual that. i said consensual i wasn't i wasn't i didn't think that's where you're gonna go uh, but, but you know but it's because we all have those endorphins we feel good you know we're we're happy these are the people we enjoy being around build that community i mean i'm not saying promote everybody you know having a big orgy at crossfit rife at the end of the day <laughs> but i'm just suggesting hey this is your opportunity to build community. And if sex happens during those seven minutes, let's be real. Consensual only. 30 seconds and you still have six and a half minutes left. For yeah, the there you go. Like let's be real. So, you know, building that community. I, I like what you said earlier, like giving those shout outs. You know, I think 
we do it at the level ones and level twos every weekend. Like, what'd you get? You know, anyone that's taken a level one in the dirty South can remember Chuck Carswell kind of pointing, you know, who was under nine minutes, who was under eight minutes, do those, you know, don't only emphasize the RX people, but you know, who got their first pull up or, you know, who really PR this and did well, who hit the intended stimulus. Maybe that's a shout out. Yeah. And um, this, this kind of goes in tandem with the cool down. And I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but you, in order to have everybody clean up and do the cool down together, you should absolutely not allow people to put their equipment away until every single athlete is done working out. That's a really good point that we should be discussing now. You're abs- if you coach or you own a box, that's probably, I would say, my biggest pet peeve in CrossFit as a coach. Yeah. You know, and not just as a coach, but even the times I'm in the workout and people are getting done before me and I see them, you know, dumping their barbell and getting either in my way. Yeah. Because I need to move from the barbell to the pull-up bar to the rig or to whatever. And B, it's just, it's, it's disrespectful. But again, that's up to us to teach. That should be something as a coach, you say regularly and consistently at the whiteboard. Hey, as soon as you're done, you know, approach it like this. Hey, what are we doing when we finish? And man, people are going to say cleaning up, doing this. No, cheering on the person next to you. Yeah. And if it happens, so if that happens, just kind of politely walk and you don't have to make this an ordeal because you're definitely not trying to put somebody in the spot. And a lot of times they just don't know. In very few instances did I, did I kind of approach somebody and tell them to just leave the equipment there. Did they not immediately kind of apologize and, and they say, oh, I didn't know. They, they don't know. So just tell them very politely, hey, listen, hey, just leave it there. We're going to wait till Jay finishes the workout because he's always last. He's not really that fit. And, <laughs> and, and we'll clean up together when we're done. And, um, and every, every single person I've ever told that is like, oh, yeah, sorry, totally. Uh, yeah, I'll wait. It's not a big deal. And because and now you do have those, those outliers who are doing it because they want everybody to know that they were done first. But that's, yeah, that's those 1%. are the outliers, right? And, and that's a discussion about, hey, if the, if the first thing you do when you finish your work to start putting your equipment away, then you probably didn't do the workout correctly. But again, those are just real simple offline conversations. Um, but just to, like you said, again, going back to solving all those problems before the workout starts, what you just mentioned, which is just tell everybody before the class even starts, problem solved. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And I get frustrated with coaches that get mad or yell at those people it's like like you've mentioned a they truly just don't know if anything is going on in your class it's your fault as the coach most people have no clue what's going on and b are you really going to get mad at somebody who's trying to clean up after themselves (laughs) right like that's really like it's better than just leaving it right but but it's like hey you know if if it's the same person and every time they do it maybe then it's a conversation, but if it's their first week, but that's something I talk about almost every time I coach. Hey guys, as soon as you're done, grab the person next to you. And, and even next level, when, when the better athletes start to finish, you know, assuming it was them or people that maybe scaled and they finish a little faster, I'll give them directives. Like, hey, I want you to go cheer that person on. And, and, and then they feel like they have a role. That person that's still moving feels excited because they have someone cheering them on and they get a little more motivated. I had a guy Let's, quit my gym once because of that. Which one? Which, what, which aspect? 
because you told him because to kiss someone. So, so like three times in one month, I had to approach him about leaving, about picking up his equipment, like when everybody else is working out. And his excuse was always like, well, I got to go. I got to get out of here. I'm like, then leave it. We'll clean it up. Don't sweat it. And, uh, and so finally, we, we didn't really have it out, but I really like stood my, my, my ground like pretty, pretty firmly. And, uh, and he didn't come back. And I was totally okay with that because that guy was a turd and it bothered everybody that he would do it. Yeah, and I think that was the one out of 100 people that wanted to let everybody know I'm faster than you. Yeah. The, uh, I, I always have a question about the cool down. So, and this is more along, this has nothing to do with, you know, fitness or anything like that. This, has to, this is more along the lines of, of running an affiliate. If you're not having a cool down in your class, then I really think you should ask yourself, then when am I engaging people on a personal level? You know, going to that empathy episode or Pat Barber bringing up Ford, which is what was fitness, occupation, recreation, no family occupation, recreation and dreams. Is that correct? Ford? Yeah, I believe so. So if you're not talking to people in the cool downs or, or you're not have a cool down, then when are you, when are you engaging these people like at a deeper level other than fitness? Like you're probably not is the question. Right. Answer, it's, you know? it's, it's not happening during the workout. That's for sure. I mean, you can, you know, obviously, like we said, a, a, an effective class starts 10 or 15 minutes beforehand. Right. So a, if you're coaching and you're the coach that shows up right at five for the five o'clock class, you're not a good coach. That's a shitty attitude. Now life happens, things get in the way. That bugs me. That bugs me to no end. <laughs> oh yeah. And I personally wouldn't let you coach if that were the case. If you're like, Hey, I got out, I get out of work just in time to make it cool. Well, you can coach the next class, Correct. but you don't get to coach this time because you need to be there 15 minutes. You need to be welcoming people. You need to be, you know, potentially talking about injuries and helping people scale. It's not only in an hour, no. you know, and that would be when you do it because it's not happening in the workout, maybe a little bit in the general warm-up to me. The general warm-up is my, it's probably the most fun. I get to blast some like fun music, like yep. have those conversations and, you know, laugh a little bit, but, but really as the general warm-up moves forward and we get closer to that specific warm-up, you have to go from cheerleader to coach in, in, you know, in that eight to 12 minutes. Yeah. The other thing that you can do in the cool down, which is, I mean, incredibly beneficial is we all know we've all had that athlete who's having a bad day and just having a shitty workout. And I don't want to say has a bad attitude. They're just dealing with their stuff. Um, If I don't have that, that seven to 10 minutes on the back end that allows me to kind of float around, set up some sort of mobility kind of sequence or do some sort of little weird L-sit, you know, fun. Um, And then have two to three minutes to check in on that person and just see what the hell is going on. That's going to be a problem. And the, the, just the mere acknowledgement on your behalf that you see that they're having a bad day to that athlete goes a really, really long way. And if I have two minutes to clean up and then roll into the next class, I don't get that opportunity. And that's why I'm always mad when I don't get what I want on the back end because I've missed opportunity to connect with people. And that's really what it is. Yeah. And I think if you're looking for some tangibles when it comes to the cool down seven minutes, you know, seven minutes is a lot of time, you know, at, you know, we'll dive a little deeper into what else can be happening during that. But at the, in addition to seven minutes, within those seven minutes, 
you should be touching base with every single athlete, be it a high five, fist bump, like you said, um, you know, a good game type of thing in yep. a, in a, in a, a acceptable way, yep. using their names, but that's what should be happening. You know, so if you're like, okay, what, what can I be doing to improve my cool down for one, leaving yourself those seven minutes. And then secondly, making sure you touch base with every single person that was in your class. Yeah. Now, let's talk about some other things. Cause really we've said, Hey, an effective cool down brings people down. You know, you're building your community. Maybe you're talking about, you know, for example, it's coming up on the holidays. This is probably the time of the year where you want to remind people, Hey, we're closed on Christmas or Christmas yep. Eve is the 12 days workout, et cetera. Going through that, maybe a little reminder of what to be doing for their nutrition, all that stuff. But do you feel like there's room within the cool down to potentially do more working out? Uh, yeah. And I kind of alluded to this earlier. So something I was actually working with Kristen Bowen, uh, who's going to be on the podcast. So she's a flow master here and she's located here in Virginia beach. And we were just toying around with the thought of, of something like what is the minute? So this goes back to Coach Glassman's thing about like, hey, the three minute L sit. And we were just having the discussion, and my question was kind of something along the lines of, what's the minimum effective dose for daily input on a skill set like that to have to to be able to progress month over month? And we basically put a challenge to ourselves, which is let's just try 40 seconds of L sit every day for one month. So we're going to test on day one and we're going to test out on day 30 and then 40 seconds. And that 40 seconds can look like a, a lot of different things depending on where you're at with the L sit, right? So it could be with uh, it could be a tucked position, both legs tucked in. It could be one leg extended, one leg tucked in. It could be kind of more, you know, like whatever that scale looks like for you, but accumulate 40 seconds which most people are going to do in four, 10 second intervals. Where'd you come up with 40 seconds? I was, I, I was just, I was just spitballing. I'm like, what's, what's the minimum effective dose? Like, could you get a significant increase if you did 40 seconds? Because I can always adjust the position to make it harder. Right. So I don't necessarily have to, to, to make the L sit harder. I can just, I can just improve the position, which will inherently make it more difficult. Right. So if you can't keep your feet together and point your toes, like that would be the first thing. Like if you can't extend your legs, like that would be the first thing. If you uh, can't even hold the tuck, well, then maybe we just have to or you can't do it from the floor. Maybe you do it from parallettes. So all of this, we, we really haven't done anything to progress past the L sit. Um, but 40 seconds is a long time, particularly post workout. Like if you're going to accumulate 40 seconds and, you know, you so can the, do it however you want. I'm just thinking out loud because we got a lot of listeners. We could throw out the challenge to them. Hey, maybe starting today. Like Fern said, 40 seconds a day, let's see what you can do. Would you say the goal is within 30 days to have a 40-second L set? I think that would be the goal. Based on what – and you have to retest it exactly how you tested it to begin with, right? So if you tested it with tucked knees at the beginning, that's how you would retest it, even if you progressed past that in the 30 days. You know, and right. I was, and I was, I was just curious as to – you know, it's not about the L sit, right? Like the whole thing is not about the nail. It's not about the L sit. I would, I want to see what they carry over to other movements are. If they can move from not having an L sit at all to 40 second, you know, knee tucked L sit, is their deadlift position going to improve? 
Are they going to be able to maintain kip swings and pull-ups better? Are they going to not die out in the muscle up as fast, you know, because their midline breaks down? Like well, that's, that's the more, whole. Yeah. That's more, yeah, I'm I mean, more curious about that. That's the black box theory that coach Glassman talked about way back when, and it kind of gets, I don't really hear many people talking about that black box theory anymore, but the, the theory is we have a whole bunch of inputs and like Fern is saying, in this case, it's a 40 second of LSID practice. It goes in this kind of box, our body, and then the output is not just an improved LSID, but who knows what. And, and our 20 guess, pound PR on your deadlift. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're if you've gone from a five to ten second even tucked LSID to forty second, you're going overhead better. Your muscle ups are improving. All that good stuff. Um, and and well, the other reason I chose forty seconds is because we were thinking about putting it in a cool down, and I don't want it to take a ridiculous amount of time. You know, like if you're doing 10 seconds uh, on 30 seconds off, that's 40 seconds. You know, you're talking about less than four minutes of just work on the LSIT and then I'm out. Yeah, I'm in. I'm going to start doing this too because I know the LSIT is, I believe, one of the best movements that's neglected. Coach Glassman said way back when, you know, if you have a three-minute LSIT, you have nothing to worry about when it comes to abdominal training. Yeah, you're good. I think that's a little ridiculous. I would I – would, maybe modify that statement and say, if you have a one minute, I'll say you're pretty damn fit, but that's kind of my goal. Yeah. I think, I think like a, I think a pretty good CrossFitter could probably hold a really nice L sit for 30 to 45 seconds before they fell apart. And I would say yeah. if you have, if you have 90 seconds, you are a stud. Yeah. And if you're listening and you're telling us you have a 90 second L sit, I'm going to see it. I, yeah, exactly. I doubt you do. <laughs> and Hey, something else you mentioned, and for the listeners out there, especially the men, go Google that video that Fern mentioned. It's not about the nail. <laughs> and don't don't show it to your significant other thinking they're going to think it's funny. They won't. Yeah, I, I showed that to Just for dudes. I think it was Chris Russell. He showed it to me, and then I was, I was like, oh, I'm going to show this to Raj. She was like, I don't get it. Yeah, and I was like, exactly. So, so um, all right. So, so now, oh, but before before – before that so don't get nuts with the with the stuff you stick in the cool down so that's that's like the 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 fatal flaw of the cool down is we turn it into like a second workout like i mean like the and again 40 seconds because i was trying to think of minimum effective dose like what is the minimum input i need to put in here in order to get a change in the output so don't get nuts with your cool down stuff it should be short fun beneficial well yeah and i agree i think you know the average member doesn't spend more time than the one hour in class. And then it's like, well, how do they get muscle ups? How are they ever going to get a handstand walk? You know, how are they going to learn how to snatch properly? Those are some things that could be happening. Like you said, Hey, the workout ends, grab some PVC guys. We're going to review the first pull. We're going to review the third pull. We're going to review, you know, let's just work on some overhead squat positions. They're cooling down. They're moving slower. And that's how they're going to develop those skills. And, you know, that could be your opportunity for your better athletes to actually be inverted in handstand walking, your, you know, middle of the road, you know, maybe doing some wheelbarrows, your, your more scaled athletes doing bear crawls, but that's how they get better. They're still moving. They're still developing. It doesn't, like you said, have to turn into another workout because that is essentially not a cool down then. Yeah. And if you want to make it fun, just take the same idea. Like, again, like fun is always makes it better. Like suffering in, in a group is always better. Just 
take the same thing that I talked about earlier with the burpees and do it with the L sit if you want to do it. Hey, everybody get in a circle. As soon as that person's done with their 10 seconds, you're going to pop up and we're just going to go around the circle. When your time comes back, you're going to pop up for another 10 seconds. And again, now it's fun. Now we're all doing it. We're all engaged. Everybody's doing the best that they can. Um, and, uh, and it's just, again, fun and getting some, some interaction with people is the idea there. Yeah. So big picture when we're talking cool down, you can't neglect the main focus of the cool down, which is to bring everybody back to normalcy. But beyond that, really, like we've said about cues, like we've said about scaling, like we've said about workouts, you're only limited by your own creativity. Correct. Correct. And that was one of the big things that you and I, I picked up a ton of stuff when we did the box tour on just on warmups in general. Like I was just stealing like little onesie twosies that are, that are very subtle changes to things that I already do that I, that I stole. And I came back and I used them and I can see the other coaches in there. They're like, their eyes lit up. They're like, Ooh, I'm going to steal that. Right. Like constantly, you know, the cool down and the warmup are the, are like, are the, in my opinion, the two toughest things to not become monotonous with. It becomes Groundhog's Day. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do this. So I, that's where I believe, like, if, if you can exercise, like, that's where I would put my creativity is in the, is in the warm-ups and the cool-downs. Yeah, and you should be able to bring your own little flair to it, your own little, yeah. you know, w- what you enjoy. Because it, it has to be fun for you, so it's fun for the members. And speaking of the box tour, a couple weeks, we got our first episode coming out. I'm so stoked, dude. I think you are very excited about this. I am excited. Like it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, my body hurt tremendously afterwards, but it was a lot of fun. And, uh, and I think I can't wait for the next one, which we need to get on the books, but I think um, I learned a lot. I think the people that are going to watch are going to learn a lot. And I think it's going to be a very, very small slice of what's to come with regard to that project in the future. Yeah, and it's really cool. You know, if you've been checking our Instagram, best hour of their day, right now we're kind of putting up some of the fun snippets, like Fern goofing around, me goofing around, but really the show is going to be a whole lot deeper. There was a recent post that I put up about Fern talking about CrossFit TTG, and you remember Juice, we only did the snatch, and you know, what Fern said in that post about how most of the boxes did multiple pieces that's the kind of stuff you're going to see in these episodes, us talking to the coach, us talking about what the workouts were and and so much more. Of course, there's going to be some friendly banter, but if you're a a box owner, if you're a coach or you're just a member and you want to see what some other affiliates look like, because I think we forget, you know, as part of the level one staff and having been around CrossFit for, you know, almost 15 years now, you and I combined have probably been to 500 boxes. Yeah. And the average person has been to one, maybe two. Yeah. And you're, and you're going to pick up things from the warm up to the cool down to maybe, you know, Oh, I like that desk. All yeah. those little things that we point out there. I remember at CrossFit invoke, for example, they had that little keychain rack and I was like, that's a great idea. I mean, every box at one point has had someone lose their keys because they wound up in someone else's bag. I had somebody this weekend, they, they like lost their wedding ring, which is like the 100th time that's happened. Yeah. Well, first of all, get yourself a Groove Life ring because it's replaceable for, for sure. free. You know, use the code best hour for 18% off. But yeah, secondly, if we had a little rack for wedding rings and keychains, it'd be a lot less likely. Speaking of how sore we were, I remember I had to work that weekend after and both days I just went out for a walk during lunch. Yeah, 
I'm like, and that's cool. And if you're so, and the other thing is if you get stuck and you're, and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know where to start with these cool downs and stretching. If you're an affiliate owner, go to GoWad. You get it for free access to that. They've got tons of stuff in there. You can just put your programming in there and then you can look at, pull some stuff down there for like mobility and stretching. Yeah. Big picture. Right. Do we have a code for that? We don't have a code for, oh, for GoWad, right. but, uh, they're friends of the podcast and every yeah. affiliate gets it for free, like you said. But, but let's, let's uh, put a bow on this cool down thing. I think, you know, if we were going to kind of rapid fire some things, one, you got to write a timeline. You, you're not going to have a cool down if you don't plan for your hour. Yep. And I would, I would argue that like plan for more than you think you're going to get. But that's why I said I plan for 10 with the goal of getting seven. If I get 10, I consider that really, really great but I'm generally going to get seven. Yeah. So what that looks like is let's assume your class runs on the hour, you know, five o'clock. I need my class, the workout to finish at five fifty. So what you have to do is a little math backwards. And you know, if it's an AMRAP easy day, I have to start by five thirty because it's a 20 minute AMRAP. If it's a, you know, three rounds for time, you need to have an idea of how long you want everybody to take. And that doesn't mean put a time, uh, time cap on it. That means brief it properly and scale better, you know, from there have a plan during that. Does it look like today is just stretching mobility PNF like Fern spoke about? Are you going to go into GoWad? And, you know, one cool thing about GoWad is you can plug in the movements you did and it will throw out and it'll spitball some great mobility drills for you. Or is it the day you're going to work on some skills? Point is you got to You got to, challenge yourself to make that work. And this brings up, and I wasn't going to bring this up earlier, but we are launching affiliate programming in January. And these are the things that we're going to help people with. So our goal with affiliate programming is a programming that is coach centric. So if you want your coaches to improve their skill as coaches, this is what that programming is for. Like everything we've designed in there is, is built in mind for developing the coaches and in doing so, your athletes will also get fitter. So we're going to cover a lot of these things. And for those of you that are just stuck like Chuck and you don't know what to do there, then, uh, then there will be a resource there available to you. Uh, so yeah, if you got questions about that, hit us up. Let, let's be real. Members don't stay at your box because of the programming. You know, no. we're going to put out great programming. We're going to put out workouts that get you fitter. But members stay at your box because of the coaching. And mm -hmm. If you're a box owner or if you're a coach right now, how are you developing? You're, you're, you know, maybe you're reading books, maybe you're going and studying for your level three, but our programming, best hour of their day programming is going to develop you every single day. You know, there's, there's some programming out there that puts some other things into it versus just the workouts, but they don't tell you what we're going to tell you, things to focus on, where to look to correct movements, everything you hear in this podcast is going to be in our programming and it's going to make your box better. Yep. Weekly coaching challenges, stuff like that. We're really going to push the margins of people's experience with regard to like what they're doing in that 60 minutes. Uh, and in doing so, your athletes will reap the rewards. Awesome. So that's how we're going to do it. Best hour of the day programming coming out in 2020. And we've got some more great episodes coming at you the next few weeks. Some great interviews, some great topics. Of course, if you have topics you want to hear us discuss, hit us up best hour of their day at Gmail or DM us at our best hour of their day, Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Cause you're not going to want to miss it. Dropping in is going to be, I'm putting it out there now. It's going to be the biggest show of the year.
in the world. I wanted you, I wanted you to say something really ridiculous. Yeah, I'm not talking about CrossFit. I'm not talking about YouTube. I'm saying it's going to be the biggest show in the world. Forget Game of Thrones. Forget The Mandalorian dropping in by best hour of their day is going to take over. That's better. That's ridiculous. I like it. <laughs> All right, Fern. Another great episode. Hope that helped. If you guys have questions, hit us up. We'll be back. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. Just a reminder, Fern and I have an amazing new show called Dropping In, premiering on our YouTube channel in early 2020. Be sure to head over to the Best Hour of Their Day YouTube channel now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the episodes. You've probably heard us talking about it, summarizing some of our trip. You can see some highlights up on our Instagram as well, at best hour of their day. But I promise you, you're not going to want to miss out. So subscribe now. Thanks for everything you do. Thanks for letting us be a part of your lives. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Tune in tomorrow for another episode of Best Hour of Their Day.